Welcome to another episode of the DC Podcast. Defend and confirm. I'm Sean. I'm Russell. And uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off. What were we talking about? The history of the prosperity gospel. Yeah. How did we get here? So we were looking at the roots, the shoots, and the fruits of the prosperity movement, the okay. word of faith movement. Yeah. We said the roots are the source of it, the historical underpinnings of this yep. system of theology. The shoots would be the doctrines themselves, yeah. which we mentioned in our first episode, some. Some. We're going to deal with that later. Right. Uh, and then the fruits, how these doctrines play out in the lives of those who believe them, teach them. Uh, and <coughs> we're going to come to that later as well. Yeah. Uh, this is the second episode where we're really addressing the roots. The, yeah, the, the history. foundations, the history yeah. of the prosperity gospel, or we would say the word of faith theology. Either one, interchangeable. Yeah. Interchangeable. Okay. So let's do a brief review on how we got here. Yes. So... Pentecostalism. Yeah, we so we were reticent to perfectly define word of faith, faith theology in our first episode. Yep. Now we're trying to flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah, okay. Uh, we said that when we look at the perfect storm of things that kind of came together to create this movement, yeah. one was Pentecostalism. Yeah, and that's just the, the root of this idea is that along with the Christian... Because Pentecostalism is kind of hard to define too, right? It is. But, but at the heart of Pentecostalism is there needs to be some sort of experiential accompaniment. Yes, to sanctification, and you could say a lot more about right. that. And those right? are that experiential piece is usually manifested in in signs, miracles, wonders. Right, right, right. And uh, then we had the Methodism, yeah, which was the birth of this itinerant preacher, this holiness movement. Yeah, uh, the re emotionalism, revivalism, revivalism. Yeah, and it created a system where we had very little accountability for yeah. preachers who were very much trying to manipulate the Holy Spirit and create revival. Yeah through the means of man. Yeah. Then we talked about the Gilded Age. Yes. So this time after the Civil War where there was a strong emphasis on self-empowerment, self-will. Self-improvement. Self-improvement, right? The self-help age. Yeah, the self-help age. It's where it really began and it began to boom. And without this, um, without this focus on I'm going to make myself better, you don't really have an opportunity for the individualism of the prosperity gospel mm. to thrive. We, you know, and historically the gospel is looking at what God is doing for the universe, not just for my soul. Now it's, it's what is the it's gospel doing just for me? Yeah. Right. Okay. We had scientific advancements, scientific advancements. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So the, the invisible world is not so invisible to us. That's anymore. right. People used to laugh and ridicule, uh, those who held to what was called germ theory. That yeah. was a pejorative. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the idea that there was these invisible things that were making mm -hmm. infections happen yeah. uh, was nonsense. Well, it turned out to be true. Yeah. And so we have the invisible world of yeah. you know, the microscopic, the electromagnetic, all of these things that are suddenly have to be understood as real yeah. and are dramatically improving technology kind of opened up a world for the invisible yeah. and started getting people thinking about mind and body and, and invisible powers. Yeah. And, and can what's in here affect what's out there? Yes. And, and there's also this uh, correspondence theory that developed in, in, in certain areas of philosophy that undergirded that. And so all of this, uh, not, not all of what we've talked about, but really the self-help, self-improvement age and this uh, invisible to visible connection that comes together to form what we call the mind power or the positive thinking, uh, which is not uh, not 
being optimistic. It's yeah. thinking that I have the power to influence my atmosphere, right? That's right. Uh, or new thought. And, and this new thought is probably one of the most important ingredients mm. uh, in the development of the prosperity gospel. This idea that what's in my mind can influence the physical world. Right. And, and we would kind of generally categorize these as <coughs> cultic metaphysical beliefs. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So... Mary Baker Eddy, mm -hmm. the founder of Christian Science. She didn't bake. <laughs> she was not a baker. And I got to tell you, she wasn't much of a scientist. Or a Christian. No, but <laughs> no, that's right. Just, it's a lot of misnomers. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the heart of Christian Science is that you can have spiritual ideas, but with repeatable results, mm -hmm. like with the scientific method mm -hmm. so you can evaluate the validity of your spiritual ideas uh based on whether you're able to repeat the results of those ideas make sense yes problem with that theologically uh it, it's treating the divine yeah as a unbendable natural law yeah so it's this deistic concept that there are spiritual laws at work yeah. that will always behave the same way. Sure. Give us the rational justification for inferring yeah. that the same results I got today, will they'll be the same tomorrow. Yeah. And that we can manipulate those laws just like we would technology using the scientific method. Absolutely. And, and so, <clears throat> uh, you know, the spirit is like the wind. It blows where it wills, John 3. Just throw that right out the window yeah, into the right. trash can, right? right? Okay, yeah, so. that God doing what He does for His own pleasure and glory—that's mm -hmm. not according to His own purposes and His important. own timing. No, right. I, I can do this and this and bring about this result, like it's the scientific method. That's right. Okay, now Mary Baker Eddy is significant because she was one of the first people to take uh, the Christ, uh, the new thought, which, by the way, was not Christian. It didn't grow up in a Christian uh, with with any kind of Christian intonation. Mm -hmm. She was the first person to take it and apply a thin veneer of Christianity to it, okay? Which is actually kind of funny because the Gilded Age, uh, Mark Twain actually coined that term, and it was it was meant to be an insult, right? Because, yes. you know, to gild something is to put a thin layer on That's the right. outside of it. So they wanted to call it the Golden Age, and he was like, well... It's more like the Gilded Age, yeah. just a thin layer of gold, but inside you still have that that cor corroding metal. That's right? right. Okay. So, but and that's what she did, right? She applied a thin veneer of Christianity to a worldly, sinful, heretical idea. Well, not heretical, but yeah. Okay. The main thing that Eddie taught was that Jesus came to save the world by giving us a right example of how to think. Mm -hmm. Right now, when you see the modern day prosperity gospel. Think positive, be positive, speak positive. It all grows out of this, mm. right? That's the the shoot. That's these are the shoots. Yeah, yeah that's coming the shoot. up from the roots. Yeah, the root of a lot of that is Mary Baker Eddy and what she taught, mm -hmm. and and you can see the shoots very plainly today. And she taught that the existence of sickness and death wasn't real, mm. uh, which is a very Buddhist Eastern way of viewing yeah, reality. That's right. But she took a different angle on it. She thought that they were simply errors in thinking. So if you mm -hmm. can fix your thinking, then you can fix your sickness. Uh, she's dead now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It didn't, I, shouldn't, <coughs> I shouldn't laugh, but you, there is a great irony in that. Yeah, that's right. Just like, you know, the prosperity guys talking about healing while they're wearing glasses. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Digging more into new thought because we ha we have to we have to get deep into it. Mm. New thought was primarily concerned with healing okay that was the 
It was all about, you know, in an age where to go to the doctor, you might have somebody cut you a hundred times. You may have somebody try to adjust your humors. Mm -hmm. You know, you got your green humors, you got your black humors. Or maybe we need to lightly poison you in order to get you to vomit. Well, in this time period in particular, you still had surgeons who would wear their white aprons yeah. and never clean them. Never. Because yeah. the gore on their apron was a symbol of their seniority. That's right. Yeah. They thought pus was a good thing. A healthy wound should spew pus. That's like, right. They, they were, the, the idea of using... Mm, say pus again. Mm. Okay. <laughs> the idea of using carbonic acid to kill bacteria yeah, yeah. On, on the scalpel, that was witchcraft to them. Yeah, yeah. Joseph Lister was, I mean, lambasted by his peers. Mm -hmm. You know, Now we have Listerine. Mm. Uh, I mean, they used to still at, at this time either give people whiskey or sometimes club them before they would have to make an insertion right yeah so it's no surprise then that when somebody says hey listen you don't have to go to that doctor i have a better way i have a better way you just need to learn to think and you can fix your health problems that way if i were in that situation i'd be like okay tell me more well it's, i mean especially given that they just invented a magic talking thing right where through wires i can hear someone yeah. else's voice across the yeah. country so, so this was a time where you really can't separate the technological advancements no. from the way people were thinking. Yeah, I mean, people were super open yeah. to new ideas, okay? Um, and that was super prevalent. And then comes this little fellow, little bitty fellow named E.W. Kenyon. What? Why are you laughing? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm Just not. me? We're good. Just my face? Yeah. Okay. He's a, little, uh, he's a little guy. He is a little... He was a tiny fellow. Uh E.W. Kenyon is really and truly the godfather of the prosperity gospel. Now, people who have done like, who spent 20 years studying this stuff, they'll tell you that you can find this guy who said something like this over here. There's actually Kate Bowler in her book, Blessed. She has this massive, I don't know, it's like a charter graph with like a thousand different names where people who say things kind of like this. Yeah. But E.W. Kenyon is significant and he's the first guy to really systematize this stuff and he's really the first guy to try to solve some of the riddles and the puzzles mm -hmm. and, and and how to make this christian okay so he took the new thought stuff and he christianized it to the extreme okay now what's significant what you need to know about ew kenyon is that he completely rejected new thought he rejected positive thinking he, he said it was unchristian mm-hmm but what he did was he just he just added some Christian words to it. Well, in particular, he married some of these influences from the New Thought with influences from the Wesleyan Holiness Movement. Mm. So he brought together the pre-Pentecostal sort of faith cure movement okay. with the higher life theology from the Keswick Movement, yep. which the Keswick Movement came out of England and was very similar to this holiness stuff from Wesley. He brought all these ideas together in a way that really was sort of the budding yeah. of the, the board of faith. Sure. I think there are three significant ways that E.W. Kenyon um, helped to cement the prosperity gospel, helped to really form it into what it is. So number one, he was the first person to connect mind power, right? New thought, positive thinking, and faith. Mm. Before this, uh, Mary Baker Eddy, she, she, when she tried to kind of put a Christian veneer on it, she didn't really talk about faith, right? E.W. Kenyon was asking himself the question, okay, if this is true, if I do have the ability to transform the world through my thoughts, uh, what is the tool that I use? Mm -hmm. Well, the tool is faith. I have to learn to trust. That's right. right. Well, trust in what? Okay. Well, that's where the second point comes in. He was the first person to connect the cross 
to healing. Yes. Okay. Healing in the atonement. Healing in the atonement, right? So E.W. Kenyon comes along and he says, well, the cross didn't only purchase for us uh, redemption and salvation from our sins and reconciliation to God. It also purchased for us healing. Which is, which actually, to your point earlier, you could say comes from Charles Cullis and a lot of these faith cure guys, sure, sure. but but he brought it together with all the other pieces mm-hmm. as well, which that's is right. speaking reality into existence and all yeah, this kind of stuff. That's right. And so, and so, uh, according to according to Kenyon, and, and there's a sense in which we would agree with that. Hmm. I would just say uh, it's the cross does purchase healing for us because it purchases any and all blessings. But the Lord can give it out as He sees fit, and maybe He won't give it out at all. And not so on this side of eternity. Not this side of eternity. That's right. Uh, and so now the cross becomes for Kenyon a sort of talisman. You know, mm-hmm. the lucky rabbit's foot. This That's is right. the thing that you need to put your faith in. So w- what are you trusting in for healing? Well, you're trusting in the promises uh, of the gospel for your healing. So now the gospel includes uh, healing, not just at God's prerogative, but as a guarantee. That's and that's right. the third point. You can demand this healing from God to, yes. to keep him to his promise. Yes, that's right. He was the first person to go from, uh, he was the first person to say, you need to stop asking God for healing mm-hmm. and you need to start demanding. Uh, I'm almost sick saying it. When I was... Uh, <laughs> threw up in my mouth. Uh, dude, when I was in the prosperity gospel... Somebody said this to me, and I was like, "Man, that seems a bit. Uh, <laughs> that seems like a bit much." But I mean, yeah, it makes sense. So I would pray and I would demand, "God, you have to do this. You sent your Son Jesus Christ to die for me to heal me," and I would demand it from God. Pause. Yeah, a uh, little bit of a rabbit trail here. That that feeling of like, "Oh, oh is this okay? Like, sure. am I am I right to be demanding something yeah. from the Author of Creation?" That that shock factor is something that prosperity teachers intentionally use oh yeah like how, how many of you know the the kenneth hagans and kenneth copeland's and uh uh hens sure do you hear saying i'm about to tell you something that's gonna shock you <laughs> yeah and you're gonna say that's heretical right but exactly uh, it's so in they, the word so they preface they build up this shock factor to to uh, add appeal to what yeah. they're saying um and and a Again, this is a rabbit trail, but I, I think your your initial reaction is what many Christians have when yeah. they hear this stuff, and they should trust that reaction yeah, to yeah. some extent. Yeah, that's right. No, that's that's a worth worthwhile rabbit trail. the the way that um the way that I like to think about Kenyon is I like to think about him like the John Calvin of the prosperity gospel. Okay, uh, John Calvin didn't invent the Reformation. And, and specifically Presbyterian doctrine, okay, like infant baptism and stuff. Zwingli was the guy who basically invented the Presbyterian understanding of infant baptism, the covenantal understanding. Sorry, guys. Yeah, if anybody's triggered out there, I'm not trying to, but it's true, so I'm going to say it. Okay, before that, uh, all infant baptism was regenerational in nature. Yep. And then Zwingli comes along like the good Protestant reformer he was, and he's like, well, we can't be saved by works. Right. And baptism. So he invents it. But Calvin comes along and takes Zwingli up and he systematizes him and he develops it and then he popularizes it. Right. That's what E.W. Kenyon does for the prosperity gospel, for the uh, mind connection to health. He takes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he builds on what other people have said. He invents some stuff, but then he he systematizes it and he popularizes it. Yes. During his own life, he wasn't even that prominent. But after he passed his books his recorded sermons and everything. I mean, they just exploded all the way to the point where in the year 2000 and 
six or five when I got saved and I was being discipled into the prosperity gospel, a guy handed me a stack of E.W. Kenyon books and he says, before you read or study anything else, you need to read these. Mm. And so his influence is still very prominent today. Yep. Okay. Anything else you want to say on Zwingli? On Zwingli? Oh. <laughs> on, uh, well, when Kenyon? your choices are Roman Catholic regeneration or Anabaptist. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so, no, you, you're right. He, I don't remember what you called him. Godfather of the movement. What, yeah, whatever. He, he is the figure we look back to prior to the birth of the prosperity preacher televangelist. Yeah. Which is where we come to. Yeah. And you know what, man? I think I think we can finish. Okay, let's try let's, to do let's that. Push let's push her. So, after, I think the next major player after uh, Kenyon, there it is, was John G. Lake. Okay. We're not going to get much into him, but he was a traveling evangelist, hero, uh, healer, miracle worker. Either one of the pictures of him is in a car with a sign on top of it that says, you know, miracles coming to your town, that sort of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, then you have the introduction of wealth. Yes. Man, maybe we should just save this for the next episode to make it a three-part series. But I want to hear it. Okay. Should so we, what are we at? What are we at? On time? Where are we at on time? Uh, sixteen minutes. So can we? I don't know if we can do the next four minutes. We should just so? stop right okay. here. Yeah. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Coming back next time for the introduction of wealth into the prosperity gospel. That's right. Thanks for listening. Yep. And uh, we'll keep them rolling out. Yep. Bye.